Good evening and welcome to Shifting Gears. I'm your host, Paul. And I'm Isaac. And on this episode of Shifting Gears, we're going to talk about how to make your car last for 200,000 or more miles. Now, this is not a guarantee thing. It's just a, these are the steps I would take to make my car last this long. Yes. By doing these, we're not saying your car will reach 200,000 miles, but you'll have a greater chance of doing so. Than if you don't listen to our advice. Yes, if you don't. Because we are the supreme people on high mileage vehicles. <laughs> not really. No, we're not. <laughs> so, should we start with some stories in car spotting? We should. You want to start on this one or you want me to start? Uh, I'll start. So... If you recall, last episode, um, Paul had this beautiful car spotting of, what was it, an Echo? A Toyota Echo, yeah, all, yeah, so, all riced out. So mine rivals Paul's. I was out on a nice nice jog the other day, and I did a double take because a car passed me, and it was a purple uh, Chevy Aveo hatchback. And on a the, red Aveo, really? It, it just wait, it gets better, so... The sides of the Aveo had Aveo, like a graphic post, like on the sides of them. They were a gray checkered flag. It had smoked out headlights and taillights, dark tinted windows. Um, I'm thinking like 18 inch white rims with low profile tires and dual exhaust. So it was a race veil. <laughs> it was a race veil. All right. Ricer spotting of the week. Yeah. That's, that's what we should rename this. Spotting right. ricers. <laughs> So that's my that's my really my one only car spotting of the week. So I have a car story and a car question. A question. A car question, I guess. Okay. Uh, for for southern people. Okay. Um. So I'll start with that. And for those of you who don't know, I was in Texas for a week last week, <clears throat> uh, with my local college campus ministry doing some service work for spring break. And while we were down there, we saw a lot of actually pretty cool cars and stuff. There's a lot of more. We're in Houston area, and there's a lot of cool cars around there that we don't see around here, especially in March. But there was one thing I noticed that, like, a lot of cars had that I've never seen here before. What was that? They all had, like, pieces of serpentine belt screwed to the bumper and dragging on the ground. What? I, I asked someone about it, and they said it was for... Like, if lightning strikes your car. What? Or if your car gets, like, a built-up static discharge. I'm really confused at why this idea came about. Because, like, how is that any different than your tires? Yeah. I I probably saw 20 cars running around there with this. That doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense from an engineering standpoint, electricity standpoint. From a physics standpoint, it doesn't make sense. But... It, you, it was all like 75 year old men that's weird <laughs> i really don't know so if you know like more theory behind this than just like really terrible theory please let us know i'm very confused yeah that also is weird. no one in texas washes their car that's also weird like every car there was filthy sorry if you're in texas and you have a clean car i apologize but 90 percent of your cars are filthy you should wash your car. Yeah. Uh-huh. We, I mean, maybe it's just a Michigan thing. We get so used to washing our cars to get all the salt off them. It's just nice to have a clean car. It is. But there's like, you know, $75,000 pickup trucks rolling around on $3,000 worth of fuel wheels. And they're just covered caked, in dirt. Caked maybe in it's dust. a culture thing. They People like having a dirty but car. But it's not like, you know, I went in mud and I covered my truck it's in just, mud. It's just road grime. That, 
Ew. <laughs> so that's that. Now here's my my story, my quick story. So if you remember in a previous episode, we mourned the loss of my side skirt on my Corolla. Yes, the side skirt on the Rally Rolla. The the Corolla S has the, the Ricer body kit on it. That add five horsepower per piece, so like forty, and uh, <laughs> probably slows you down from the extra drag. Uh huh. And I was driving through my local college uh, parking garage, and I hit a speed bump, and it fell off. And I watched the guy in my rearview mirror run it over. You didn't stop and pick up pieces. No, I left it there. It was smashed a million pieces. I'm a terrible person. I know. Yeah, you come on, Paul. You're <laughs> my tuition pays for the janitors. That sounds terrible. <clears throat> uh. So that happened, and then like two weeks later, um, the day after we actually recorded our last podcast, uh, I was I got sent on a uh, breakfast burrito Taco Bell run from the guys at work, and uh, I'm trying to pull into Taco Bell, turn left on a pretty busy road, and it won't let me. And I can't turn left. There's just way too many cars coming, and it's all stopped. So I run up to the next stoplight, and I turn in there, and it like dumps off into a parking lot. And I'm whipping around in the parking lot to go down so I can turn right into Taco Bell. And in the snowbank, I see, like, you know, like, picture, like, the, the glow and stuff and, like, the, the noise. Like, oh! I see a side skirt in black. My car's black for a Corolla. And it's the right side and right color and everything. It's in the snow pile. Was it broken? Of a Kmart parking lot. So... It was not broken. It's missing a few clips, but I can supply clips. So I ran over there, picked it up, threw it in my back seat, and now I got another side skirt. You you cannot make that up. No, what a great day. Yeah, uh, I just I, yeah, it was just a great day. So those are my car spottings and car stories and everything else. So uh, um, should we move into our main topic? Let's do that. So we have three steps to make your car last two hundred thousand miles. So we should preface. Paul and I both have, well, Paul owns still. I I don't currently own a vehicle with over 200,000 miles. I've never owned a vehicle with over 200,000 miles. You haven't? My dad's Impala no. does. Oh. That has like 230. My Ranger had like 285 when we when I sold it, which was sad. My my Ranger had a buck 80 on it when I sold it. Yeah. My F-150 has 140 but only 60,000 on the motor. Okay. And my Corolla has 150,000. My pickups both had 160,000. Well, regardless, these are steps on how to get your car to that magic 200,000 mark. So we have three steps. Yes. The first one is don't buy a crappy car to start with. <laughs> the second. Very important step. We'll, we'll go more in depth on yes. these. The second step is maintenance, which is really key here. And then the third is your driving habits. So let's start with don't buy a crappy car. Don't buy a crappy car. Yeah. And so, I mean, a good telltale of who makes a car that's going to last a long time is look and see what's on the road that's over 15 years old. And if they're still around, they probably are a good bet. Yeah. But we started with, we'll start by dividing these off into brands and then we'll move into some more specific things. And uh, the first brand that I would expect to go most cars over 200,000 miles is Honda. Honda's just run forever. They do. Except for the early 2000s models that have the automatic transmissions. But yeah. we'll talk about that a little Honda bit more. Autos. Honda Autos are not fantastic. No, they're not. Now they have CVTs. 
which I hear they've been having issues with. So I don't know. I don't why know. you buy a manual? Just saying. So yeah, that's later in the that's later in the story, Isaac. Jeez. So and then the next one we're talking about is Toyotas. I mean, that's a given. The Toyotas pretty much go forever. Yeah. So I hear the new Tacomas, the three five, might have some problems. Yeah, they've had to replace some engines in them under warranty, which is shocking for Toyota. Because those old four liters that were in there forever ran forever. Forever, yeah. But engines is the next category. So we're getting too much into yeah. engines. Speaking of Toyotas, last week I discovered on Craigslist. A 2000, I think it was an 05 Camry with 388,000 miles. So there's a given. Yep. And it looked pretty decent. It did. I would totally go drive it. <laughs> yeah, but. I would have no problems with that. I mean, it's a beige Camry. It was gray. Whatever. It was not a great color. And it was not very attractive. I jokingly said to Paul, we should buy it as the Shifting Gears podcast car. But you guys don't listen to us enough, so we don't get any money. Yeah, our, so. our budget wasn't there yet. Our budget is, uh, you pay us. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the next one is GM. Uh, so GM does have some vehicles that will go over 200,000 miles. Yes. My dad has an 08 Impala with the 3500 in it. That has 230-ish right wow, now. Wow, that's impressive. And I think he's done a throttle position sensor. He hasn't done a lot on it. And brakes. Yeah, and tires. And tires, you know, wear items. And, like, maintenance is not a key thing on there. I no. mean, the transmission has slipped since 110,000 miles. Every time you get on the gas, it, like, slips and then squeals and then locks in and goes. And there's always all kinds of metal in there when they flush the transmission, but yeah. it just keeps going. It just keeps going. Well, and it gets like the cheapest oil you can possibly find in it, <laughs> like whenever the car says it needs oil. So like not even like on a regular interval. It's just like yeah. the thing says you should change your oil now. And then you change it. So, I mean, I mean, I'll say that's pretty impressive. There are a lot of cars wouldn't do that. Yeah. So GM stay away from any 80s GM vehicle or 90s unless they have a push rod V8 in them or 3800 or the 3800 V6. Yeah, we should clarify the 3800 V6. My uncle has like a 96 or 97 Chevy 3500 two wheel drive pickup truck Mm -hmm. with the original motor in it and original. I think it has original transmission. I could be wrong in the transmission, but the motor for sure is all original. With like 340,000 miles on it. Yeah. And it just keeps going. Keeps going. So, I mean, GM does make some good vehicles, but there's they make a lot of bad ones too. Yeah. So, like anything with from like the Cadillac North Star line. Stay away. Run away. <laughs> run away. Unless you like to give away lots of your money to your local mechanic. Yeah, run away. And you like electrical issues. Yeah. Anything from GM with a turbo on it, run away. Yeah. Unless it's a Grand National, and you can run to it. But, you know, I really want to like the uh, the 2-liter turbo they put in the Cobalt and the Ion SS. I really want to like that car. I'm sorry. My my friend has a 2017 Chevy Cruze. Yeah. Uh, uh, with the, the 1.5 or whatever it is. 1.4. The 1.4 turbo. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he had to put cam actuators or cam phasers, whatever you call them, in a GM car at 900 miles or something. That's not the only newer GM vehicle I've heard that's had the, the same issues. There's a, I was talking to a guy at work, and one of his friends works for GM, and he won't drive his 2017 Malibu more than 100 miles away from his house because it's been on a rollback six times. 
and it's yeah. never been smashed. What do you, you should clarify by rollback? A rollback is a tow truck that picks up the whole vehicle and puts it on the back, back. of it so you don't have any wheels on the ground. Okay. So they are the most substantial tow truck you're going to get. Yeah. So, hmm. but GM, they do make some good cars. They do make some good cars. So, they but, also make some cars that I wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole. No. Says the guy who drives two GM cars. <laughs> hey. Both of them I wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole. Hey, no, you got to be nice. <laughs> you got to be nice, Paul. All right. I would drive the fear if someone else maintained it. <sighs> if What are you saying about my maintenance? I mean, someone besides me. Okay. I just don't want to work on it. That's why you would just call me up. I'll come work on your Fiero. All right, Isaac, I'll buy a Fiero and you come fix it, but then I'm going to put a small block Chevy in it. You know, if my Fiero, my Fiero has the original, um, or I should say factory, it's not the original motor, factory 2.8 liter V6. If you put a modern motor in that car, it would solve a lot of the reliability issues. And a lot of red Loctite. Yes, in a lot of red Loctite. <laughs> no, uh, I would drive a, a Fiero with like a, like a, I don't know, this is going to be sacrilegious to the GM people, but like uh, the Ford 2.3 liter four-cylinder crate engine that makes like 350 horse, that would be lighter than the motor that's in there, more reliable, and it would be fast. My dad sent me a couple weeks ago a Fiero with a Volkswagen um, diesel swapped into it that could be fun that could be fun yeah so that might go two hundred thousand miles because that's a yeah. diesel yeah it would you'd be a, the 200 plus in the fiero club so our next brand is ford's now ford had a bit of a gap of vehicles i say probably wouldn't go to two hundred thousand. but other than this gap i pretty much now i'm a ford fan yeah we paul and i disagree on this but uh point. i think that most of their vehicles that are before or after this gap would go 200,000. So the gap I think is between 2003 and 2011. Why? They had this a lot of issues in that point. I would I would say up to 05. Well, from 05 to on, they still had the 6 liter diesel, which was you got to put 5 grand into it to make it reliable. They had the 64, which is fast and awesome. My dad has one. It's freaking crazy. But reliability is not very high on that motor. Then they had the 5.4 Triton, which is terrible. Yeah. And they they really only had one good motor, and that was the 3.5 Duratec, which, which came af- out in which got an update in 2012 or 13, which made it better. Yeah. But before that, I mean, it was good but not great. And so, I mean, the I mean the the reason they they have the X. X, X <clears throat> Explorer, which is nicknamed the Exploder for a reason. Yeah. And before, um, I've got to think about this. I think the Explorer came out, the front wheel drive on the CD, was it CD3 platform? Came out, I think, in 2009. Yep. And it was on the base off the Expedition chassis, kind of before that, with the mm-hmm. aluminum rear. Based off the Ranger. I don't know. We got to do some homework. We got to do some. I know it was independent rear suspension and stuff. That's right. So, yeah. like everyone says, the Expedition's based off the F one hundred and fifty when it's got the same motor. But other than that, there's not much that swap between the two of them. Yeah. So, I mean, my grandparents do have an Expedition with like two hundred and fifteen or two hundred twenty thousand miles, but it did get all new camshafts and cam phasers and everything else done in the motor at that at like one hundred and sixty. So, I mean, they had 
maybe one or two good cars in that price range, but like the Ford Focus in those ranges kind of suck too. Yeah, the Fusions are a good car. They've seen I still see a lot of them on the road. I mean, it was heavily based on the Mazda Six. Um, you know, the Force, the original two three was a Mazda motor, um, which you still you see some of those get up to the two hundred thousand mark, but they are known not to be completely hundred percent um trouble free um but they're they're good motors same the three liter vulcan was was a decent motor so yeah there's the there was also the three liter flex fuel which that's the vulcan isn't that's it? the vulcan yeah. yeah i had a three liter vulcan in my ranger and i that was the only thing in the ranger i didn't have problems with so i mean there's there's good and bad in there but i would just in general, I would probably stay away from the 2003 to 2011 Fords. But Isaac's going to come in here and say he's going to go all, <clears throat> I don't know, it's going to be bad about the Taurus X. I, I was just going to say that the the platforms, I think it's the CD3, I should look that up. Um, so the, which would be the original 500 Mercury Montego and later became the Taurus Sable and Taurus X. Um, that was heavily based on the Volvo platform. Maybe. Anyways, my mom had a 2008 Taurus X and we put like 170,000 miles on that car and we just did oil changes. Um, I know that the transmission cooler started leaking at like 150,000 miles, but other than that, it's a great car. It's still in the family. That 3.5 liter motor runs great. I would say the only thing... You got to watch on those motors as they have an internal water pump and it requires you have to pull the whole engine out of the vehicle to change the water pump, which is just absurdly stupid. But other than that, they're great cars. Like I said, I think the Fusion, so I guess that'd be the CD3 platform vehicles. So the Edge, the Fusion, Milan, MKZ, whatever it's called, and the Mazda 6. Those are good cars. So I'd say you could have good luck with them. So on to our next brand as Isaac's phone goes off. Sorry about that. Not okay. Uh, Mazdas, I prefaced it with as long as you don't live in a salty area. Yeah, because I every agree. Mazda around here looks like it's about ready to crack in half. I I'd say up to like 2008. The the previous gen Mazda threes, I don't see any rust on them. So they haven't had time yet, really. But no. If you're looking back to 2005 or 2003, that's a lot longer than you know 2012. Yeah. So well, I see, I see far more newer Chryslers running around with massive rust holes through the body than. That's Mazda's. why there's no Chrysler cars on our list of cars to go 200,000 miles with Isaac. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> if you point. if you live in Florida, a Mazda would be a great bet. Yeah. So. Um, and then I also put on here 80s and 90s BMW Mercedes. Um, I had to put this on here purely because of my Uncle Jim. Uh, he's had like five or six 80s Mercedes and BMWs of different platforms and uh, engines and transmissions and everything. All of them with like 250 to 300,000 miles on them. And they all just, you know, you'll drive them here from Arkansas. Like, yeah. So, I mean, that, I just... They, they got to get thrown in there somewhere. We got to have something on here, Euro. And then the, the last one on here is the Dodge slash the Ram because they changed their name 
trucks with the Cummins in them. Yeah, the Cummins are good motors. So, Those motors will outlive the truck. Oh, yeah. The, the truck will fall apart around the motor. Yes. So they're, the motor was designed for something much larger and heavier than that truck, so they just live a very easy life in there. Yeah. So those I'm they're gonna go that far now on to engines engines more specifically you know we haven't talked about engines at all first one i put on here is anything with a push rod v8 they're simple simple robust yep and they're just gonna go they're just gonna run so the key here is push rod v8 yes so dual overhead cam v8s we'll talk about those a little bit more later or single red cam, whatever. But in general, push rod V8s, they're going to go the mileage. You can't go wrong with the push rod motor. Small I mean, block Chevy, big block Chevy, small block Ford, big block Ford, yeah, Mopar they, 360. They just, the whole idea of less parts in something, you're going to have less issues, yeah. it's less problems, and it's you, just going to be more reliable. You have a 12-inch long chain instead of a 65-inch long chain. Yeah that's a lot less links to break yep so a lot less things to move that could break no and they don't rev high and they just sit there and put out torque and yeah. drive around and suck fuel yep next we have naturally aspirated four cylinders in general now they, i preface this with two things one they got to be vertical <laughs> not horizontal no boxer motors no boxers which we should touch on that i mean subaru's People who have Subarus love their Subarus. Um, and there are quite a few out there that I would say hit the 200,000 mark. But they do require quite a bit of extensive work to do that. Like um, head gaskets. Head gaskets, yeah. If you're going to buy a Subaru or you want to take a Subaru um, up to 200,000 miles, you're just going to know you're going to have to sink quite a bit of money into it to get it to that point. Yep. Um, and then I also had one other preferences on here, preferably with a cam chain, not a timing belt. Yes. Now timing belts, you can get those motors to 200,000. You're just gonna have to replace the timing belt. Yes. Probably twice. <laughs> yeah. And we'll talk about that. Um, in the maintenance section, in the maintenance section, you want to cover diesels a little bit? Um, yeah, I mean, diesel motors, we kind of talked about in a couple episodes back, um, episode two about, Diesel trucks. Diesel trucks. You know, diesel motors, they're designed to go 300 plus thousand miles. Um, so 200,000, that's that's nothing for them. Um, I mean, besides regular maintenance, you shouldn't have to expect to do a whole lot to a diesel motor. No. So now we did add on here three diesel motors to stay away from, and that would be the Ford 6.4, the Ford 6.0, um, the 6.4 is better than the 6.0, but not a, a terrible amount. And then the original Duramax motor, the LB7, those had lots of injector issues and other issues that are just caused lots of money to fix. Yeah. So, and then we kind of move into the more modern motors, um, specifically the Ford 3.5 liter GTDI, which is the 3.5 liter EcoBoost, as most people would know it. Yeah, or the naturally aspirated one, too, is a good motor. They're the 3.5 Duratec, yeah. The 3.5 EcoBoost, the in, I, have, I have no doubt the internals of that motor will go 200,000 miles without being opened up. You may have to look at putting one or two turbos on it at some point. Um, now, so you might not. Checkbook out. Maybe not. Be, turbos are... People like to hate on turbos and say they're going to go out, but like, you know, look at semi trucks. They all have turbos on them and they go a million miles. 
So turbos don't necessarily mean they're going to blow up. And turbo technology has come a long, long way since, you know, the early 2000s when people first started turbocharging stuff. So, yeah, 1980s. Or the first wave of turbo motors. Yeah. So turbos have increased in reliability significantly. Turbos now are have oil and coolant running through them. So they're never expanding more than they're supposed to, and they're always lubricated. And so I would have no doubt that the Ford 3.5 EcoBoost will go 200,000 miles all day long. And following that is the Ford 5.0 Coyote. Um, the original Fords with the twin over, dual overhead cam and cam phasing with the 5.4s, they had a lot of issues. But the Coyote, they've got that all figured out now pretty much. And those things are basically as reliable as your small block Chevy push rod motor. They're, you're going to go out, hit the key, and you're going to drive it. Yeah, I've, I've heard nothing but great things about those motors. So oh. if I if I had to buy a Ford F-150 today, I'd probably... In, I was going to plan on keeping the truck for 10 plus years. It's probably the motor I'd get. I'm surprised. Or the 3.5. Or now it's the 3.3 liter V6. Yeah. Didn't they downsize the displacement? Yep. Or that one. I don't ever tell. Yeah, he doesn't ever drive fast either. <laughs> he doesn't drive anywhere. His car's all sit here, so he drives true. to Saturn. I, I, I drive to Chicago every other week. Yeah. So um, the other one I just threw on here, just kind of for a quick mention, is the Ford 4.6 Triton, which came out the same time as the 5.4, but for some reason, it's like way, way, way better. Are they are they based off the same? They're pl- the same thing. Really? Like my uncle, he had basically nothing on his F-150, Uncle Mike, and uh, didn't, I don't think he really had to do much to it, and it, he sold it running and driving at like 315,000 miles with a 4.6 in it. Hmm. So... I mean, the 4.6 is in a lot more things than the 5.4 was. It's in the, you can get it in the F-150, the Exploder, the Mustang had the 4.6 in it. Now, they're all slightly different, but they're basically the same motor. And uh, some of the Lincolns and stuff had them too. So, yeah. But then we kind of move into imports a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, really anything from Honda, Toyota, it's kind of a given. They're just... They're just going to run. They're just going to work. Yeah. So I mean, it, there might be one or two bad engines in those I, bunches. I would, I would caution the Honda V6s with um, fuel. Fuel deactivation. Deactivation, yeah. I know that they put those in the Odysseys and Pilots, and they've had issues with them um, in the earlier, the first generation motors. I can't speak about the newer motors, um, but, I mean, if go on Craigslist and look up, Honda or Toyotas with over 180,000 miles, and you'll see quite a few on there. So, really, you can't go wrong there. I don't think there's really much more to be said. No, um, I did want to quick mention not the the from Toyota. You really don't want the VZ series of engines. Oh yeah, the the ones the new are the three five and the new well the, the v- latest generation. Well, Tacoma. the VZs came out with like the 93 pickups, and ran through like the early 2000s. The it was like a three liter V6. Okay. And they had lots of issues. Okay. Um, and then, then there's the new three five in the tacos or the Tacomas. And those are having issues also. Which I don't understand because that's the same motor they put in the Sienna and the Highlander. But they updated it to go in the taco. Hmm. So maybe they should unupdate it. Maybe they should. So yeah. like, we're just go back to the four liter that ran forever. Yeah. So, and then, um, Oh, a great engine from Honda, or not from Honda, from Toyota, is the 22Rs and the 22RES. 
Uh, they're their four, four cylinder. They put in like everything and like until like ninety seven or ninety eight. Those things just run and run and run and run. Like we pulled one out of a yard. Uh, been sitting in a field for like twelve or thirteen years when we jump started it and started spraying brake clean down the th- down the carburetor and it started. So, but they're just great. So also any straight six pretty much just playing on it's gonna work. Yes, the um. The GM 4.2 liter that they put in the Trailblazers, the Trailblazers, that was a good motor. Yeah, the Ford 300 straight six, yeah. great motor. The Chrysler Strant, slant six, great motor. Cummins straight six diesels. But most of the BMW straight sixes are actually yeah. pretty good. Um, so the straight six is just a very. You can go into the geometry and stuff, but that's how it thrusts on the piston. There's it doesn't have the same kind of thrust angle as a, lot a V. Less force, so it doesn't wear the skirts and sides out of the block as fast, and because it's going straight up and down rather than horizontally, partly. Um, so uh, I'm sitting here making movements with my hands like an engine. <laughs> Isaac's looking like I'm freaking. Nuts. Everyone can totally not see you. <laughs> <laughs> We're not on video. So uh, yeah, the ice, anything in a straight six configuration, probably a good bet. Yeah. Now we get into the GM engines that are actually good. The first one is the GM 6 liter. This came in like Suburbans and Tahoes. It's a good motor. Uh, 2,500 and 3,500 HD trucks. It's a good motor. It just fantastic. Yeah. They're significantly better than the 5.3s. Um, everyone loves the 5.3. I'm not a huge fan of them. They burn a lot of oil, and they're not that as reliable as everyone makes them out to be. Um, and everyone has a five three, but yeah. uh, nobody I, has a six liter. The six liter is a way better motor. It doesn't get that much worse fuel economy. It's got way more power and it's lasting longer. Yeah, good so, motor. So the GM thirty five or the thirty five hundred slash thirty eight hundred series motors. I mean, the Buick thirty eight hundred. That was just an awesome motor. I still think they should make it today. It was just those motors were. I mean, they put them in production. Now I gotta test my knowledge. I mean, the Series Two motors were in production for almost twenty years. They good motors. Same with the thirty five hundreds. So uh, our friend had a 3,800 hundred in his Buick, and he hydro locked it on coolant and oil getting off the highway, and it cleaned out all the coolant and oil, and it and ran fine, and it's still running like a year another, and a half later. He's probably put thirty thousand miles on it. It so. literally stopped running because it filled the cylinders with coolant, coolant and yeah, oil, and, and it's still on the road. So I mean, all over the Midwest. <laughs> I'm not a GM fan at heart, but, but that's those, pretty impressive. Those motors, they are solid. So. Um, another good GM motor is the, uh, the, the naturally aspirated Ecotex. Yeah. The Ecotex are, they're, they're, they're little beasts. I mean, they, people have them in Cavaliers and they beat the snot out of them and they just keep going. They just keep going. So people pull them out of Cavaliers and put them in their doom buggies with big, nasty turbos on them. So, but the modern Ecotex with the turbos stay away. And then the last thing to stay away from is any car with a three cylinder engine. And this point in time and i'm going to say moving forward just run from a three cylinder yeah, don't buy anything with a three cylinder yeah they shake themselves to death and they're just terrible they they're yeah buzzy and Blow i don't up. i don't have a lot of faith especially the, i mean ford's putting that new one 1.0 yeah eco boost eco boost no. three cylinder i gm has the 1.35 liter also who does two decimal places Three five. It's the GM one point three five. What? Yeah, 
They haven't sold that in North America yet, have they? I think they do. In what? Anyways, three cylinders, they're just... Just... No, just stay away. <laughs> um, I guess we can talk about transmissions. So, you know, in all honesty, if you were going to take a car to high miles, you know, 200 plus thousand miles, um, manual transmissions are going to be a safer bet on getting there without having to touch them. Um, you may have to put a new clutch in. Um, if you know how to drive a manual transmission and you don't burn out the clutch, you could easily take it to 200 plus thousand miles before you'd ever have to touch it. Um, there's, they're simpler. There's less parts in them. They, they just work. Automatics, on the other hand, um, I'm not saying that you can't get to 200,000 miles. There's many automatic transmissions that do and go beyond. I mean, we saw that Camry on Craigslist with 388. Yep. My dad's Impala. It's slippy, but it's still there. It's still there. So I'm not saying you can't get an automatic to 200 plus thousand, but you may have more problems with an automatic transmission. Yep. You might look at a rebuild or um, we'll talk more about that with the maintenance and stuff on the automatics. because They require a different kind of maintenance. Yes. Automatics to stay away from early 2000 Hondas. Lots of issues. Uh, Ford focuses with the dual clutch. It's just a absolute garbage transmission terrible and then anything chrysler made or sold in a chrysler <laughs> other than the zf8 speed you may get the occasional few that get to the two hundred thousand mile mark but, but not many not many yeah should i say the joke say the joke dodge transmission or chrysler transmissions have more tranny problems than bruce jenner <laughs> so i mean like they're they're just terrible so yeah so now should we move to step two Step two, maintenance. This really, you could have a crappy car and you could get it to 200,000 miles if you meticulously had good maintenance on it. I mean, this is really makes or breaks any car. Yep. If you have a, the best car in the world, but you don't maintain it, piece of junk. Piece of junk. If you have a worse car, that's a, yeah. yeah. What is the worst car made in the last 20 years? You said it was the Pontiac Aztec, but... We should define what worst cars. That might be. That's a good topic for another episode. That's a good topic for another episode. There's Regardless, if you, like I said, if you maintain your car well, you can get to the two hundred thousand mile mark. And the big ones, oil changes. Oil changes. First thing on oil changes, the main thing, the biggest thing, interval. Yeah, intervals. And you know, modern cars today say I think my Mazda is every seven thousand miles. Um, some cars are ten or twelve thousand. That's a lie. That's an absolute lie, which we could we need to talk about that in a later episode. And now, me and Isaac's it, opinion on this do differ, but the we we'll do, get into the science behind it. Yes, I'm actually considering for that episode, we need to do oil sampling. We should. It's cheap. It's like thirty bucks. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the more frequent the interval is, the better it is on your engine. Um, you know, conventional oil, three thousand miles max, you should replace it. Um, semi-synthetic, 35 to four, 3,500 miles to 4,000 miles. Replace it. Replace it. it. Synthetic, 5,000. Yep. Replace it. That's the max pretty much on any sort of synthetic yeah. oil. Um, the main reason for that is uh, we're not going to go super deep into oil here because we want to do a whole episode right. on it. Oil it, has um, properties or not properties. That's not right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the oil properties, A, break down due to heat and wear um, yes. and heat cycling. And then B, oil gathers, no matter how good of a filter you have on there, it gathers particulates. And there reaches a point where it 
it can't gather it, anymore. Yeah, it's it's super saturated yeah, particulates, yeah. and you can't do anything. So to help prevent that a little bit, we can talk about filters. Yep. Um, Basically, don't buy a Fram. Yeah, don't buy a Fram. Anything but Fram. Sorry, Fram, if you're listening, but uh, they're garbage. They have uh, cardboard valves in them to that can break and then block all oil flow to your engine. Mine and I believe Isaac's personal choice are the Wix filters Wix. or the Wix XP is what I like. They just have a little bit more filtering and length capability to them. I love me some Wix filters. Yes, Wix. Mobile One makes a good filter. K&N. K&N. Those are pricey. They're pricey, but they're good. And the yeah. nice thing about K&Ns is they have the uh, like a three-quarter inch nut drive on the end of yeah, them, so you don't need nice. a special wrench. Um, Bosch makes good filters. Now, if you have a Ford, Fords are the only ones I really say this on. Buy a Motorcraft filter. Yeah. Um, f- there's some different things with the Ford engines where they really like their Motorcraft filter that's designed a little bit differently. They can get like like the F150 with the five fours. They can get a little tick to them if you use an off a different brand of filter. Really? At startup, or you put a Motorcraft on there and they just hum right to life. Same thing with their diesels. They their filters. They're just something different about them. If you have a Ford. Spend the money on an, on a uh, Motorcraft filter. But other than that, just don't buy a Fram. You'll, yep. Your life will be better. Yep, just don't buy a Fram. So um, oil additives. Uh, do you do oil additives? I do some. I don't. I haven't. So I should look into that with the high consumption that the Saturn takes. Yes. Um, so the, the main additive I do on every oil change, I don't do as much as they say they do as to do. Um, but I use the... In my vehicles that I run synthetic oil in, I use the Lucas Oil Heavy du- or Lucas Oil Synthetic Oil Stabilizer, and then the vehicles that have like more engine wear and or I run conventional oil in, I run the Lucas Oil Heavy Duty Oil Stabilizer. I they say to put a whole bottle in basically with an oil change. I do a half bottle, so I make one bottle go for two oil changes. Yeah. A because I don't feel it's really necessary, and B because uh, it just saves money. I'm poor. It's really like it, it raises the viscosity of your oil a little bit so you got to be careful in the winter if you get really really cold yeah well it makes your oil like cling to parts inside the engine which really helps prevent wear especially on dry startup because that's where like 80 percent of engine wear happens at at startup um which we'll talk about a little bit later with driving habits but um 80 percent and 70 to 80 percent engine wear happens on dry startup and if you can prevent some of that you just make your engine last way longer and when your oil's clinging to your part oh, don't mind me just tipping everything over here paul's talking with his hands again <laughs> when your oil clings to your parts it's a lot harder to have a dry startup yeah so and it also claims i haven't done any oil con- testing on it but i know I, I really like lucas oil products so i believe them that it um, increases the oil life because it increases the ability for the oil to absorb particulates. Interesting. So it helps prevent that super saturation of our particulates. And then the other thing I do is every 50 to 100 miles before I'm going to do an oil change, I put in three to five ounces of seafoam, like the regular seafoam in the white the bottle. The fuel additive seafoam. The, the, the fuel additive seafoam. I put three to four ounces of that, like 50 to 100 miles before my oil change, in the engine, not in the fuel tank, like right through the oil fill cap. And what this does is it helps break apart deposits and oil sludge and stuff and get it loosened up so that when you drop that drain plug, it can drain out drain and not just out. stick in the engine. Yeah. Now, don't do this like, you know, at the beginning of your oil change because A, it's not very lubricative, so it can cause more wear. And B, 
it can loosen up too much stuff and clog up your oil filter so you get not enough flow. So you want to do this right before you're going to do an oil change, like 50 to 100 miles. you got to give it enough time to be able to run into the oil yeah. and do its thing, but not too long. So be careful with that. If you don't feel confident in your ability with that, just don't, don't do it. Don't do it. It doesn't yeah. do enough for you to risk breaking your stuff. But if, I mean, the instructions are on the back of the bottle too on how to do it. So, but if you feel comfortable doing it, it works really well. Like my oil is still pretty honey brown when I, at like 4,900 miles when I put it in, I do 5,000. And uh, the oil in the Saturn is black, black, and, <laughs> and I've got another thousand it's, it's to like, go. <laughs> if you, uh, if you like move out the oil onto like a piece of paper towel, it's like pretty honey brown still huh. getting a little bit darker, but within that hundred miles, it turns pitch black. So I know it's loosening crap up in there. The last thing I have with oil is don't fill it all the way to the yeah, top of the hash marks. Don't overfill your engine. Fill it like half to, I try to do half. Now, if you're not going to check your oil, I check my oil every time I get gas because A, I'm bored standing there, and B, I like to know where it's at. But if you're not going to check your oil, you know, fill it to like the three-quarter mark. Um, this is for two reasons. One, it improves performance, and two, it actually um, is better for your engine because when you get the oil up too high, it can cause aeration with your crank beating in the oil, which causes aeration, which makes it so your oil your oil pump can't suck air. So yeah. it, um it makes it so your Pumps oil don't like air. It makes it so your pump gets unless all, it's an air pump. Yeah, only good oil, um, and then which helps with lubrication. And then performance-wise, if your your crank when it's beating in oil, that's just losing power there for no reason. So um, there's actually been quite a few different dyno tests and uh, analysis of this, and about half to three quarters full is really where you ideally want it. So, um, it's different for different engines and stuff. So if you're not going to check your oil, fill it up a little more. Mm-hmm. If you're going to check it regularly, I'd stick closer to that half range mark. So, cause that way, if you know it gets down a little bit, you can add a little bit, but if you're not going to yep. check it, don't risk it. Uh, next transmission. Well, you skipped one. I skipped one. Air filters. Oh, filters. Air filters. Air filters and fuel filters. You didn't have fuel filters on I here. I do have fuel filters. Oh, They're down farther the list. Oh, Jeez. Sorry. Some Air filters. Kids. Um, this is an easy one. I mean, really, I Paul has on here every time you change your oil, you should check your air filter. I do. I check my air filter maybe four times a year. I change my oil like every other month. So I change my oil far less than that. But <laughs> um, I mean, it's easy to check. It's right at the top of the engine. Um, people don't think this makes a big difference, but you'd be surprised if you have a clogged air filter it can really affect the performance and fuel efficiency of your engine. So, or if it's degrading and letting dirt through. Yeah, or that. So it takes less than five minutes. You can just pop the clips or a screwdriver and do a couple screws, you know, pop it out. They're cheap. You know, less than 10 bucks. you can get a good Wix filter. Yep. Just do it. Yep, and just look at it. If it looks dirty, yeah. or if it's got a bunch of loose stuff in it, just kind of take it out, shake, shake it, it out. Yeah, you know, even loose. shaking it out helps. Um, you know, if you live somewhere, if like you live on a gravel road or somewhere where there's a lot of dust in the air, should probably just change it every year yep i i just check mine every time i change my oil and if it's starting to look dirty six seven bucks to grab a new one yep so transmission fluid yeah so transmissions um you know manual transmissions recommend changing the fluid every 30 to fifty thousand miles it's very easy to do on a manual transmission it's only probably like 20 to 30 dollars yeah i just changed um my mazda just hit fifty thousand miles and i just did a fluid fl- change um cost me less than 20 bucks and 20 minutes of t- my time um and 
you know, Mazda says, actually, they say that it the fluid's good for life, which is complete garbage. Yeah, don't listen to that. Yeah, you know, at 50,000 miles, the fluid was pretty dark. Um, and it's so cheap, like, why not change the fluid? Yeah. It's going to help protect my transmission. My uh, F-150, when I changed the fluid in it the first time, it actually shifted significantly better when I was done. Yeah. So for automatic transmissions, it's a little bit different. Automatics, they need to be flushed. You can't just pull, like, some of them don't even have drain plugs. But if they yeah. do, you can't just pull the drain plug and, like, what comes out, replace it. That is only probably going to get about 30% of the fluid out of the oil or out of the transmission because it's in passageways and the torque converter itself probably holds four, three, three, two, three, four quarts, depending on the vehicle it's in. As much as it, it, it gets, it's more expensive, like two to 300 bucks. Bring your car in every 50 to 75,000 miles. Have it, have it flushed. And have it flushed by a shop. They have a special machine that forces the fluid through the transmission to flush out the old stuff. So they get all new fluid in there and not just 30% because changing out 30% of your fluid is really pretty much pointless because it's just going to get dirty when it touches the other 70% of dirt. Yeah. So, and then also uh, replace the filter. Automatic transmissions have a filter in the pan. Um, replace that when you change your fluid or make sure whoever's doing it does that for you. Yep. Those are like six bucks. So yeah. it's worth just it. Do it. <laughs> so uh, differentials. If you, same if, thing, if it's applicable, if you have yeah, a truck, rear wheel drive vehicle, um, you know, do a fluid change every 57,000 miles. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, another thing with differentials, what you need to make sure if you have a limited slip differential that you put the friction modifier in oh, with the gear yeah. lube. Otherwise you're going to no longer have a limited slip differential. So, um, look, look up the VIN tag of your vehicle. Um, if you don't know, you should be able to put it in and look yeah. it up and see if your vehicle has a limited slip. Newer rear-wheel drive cars, just they have one now. So, but some of them are electronic, so it's different. And yeah. Just let's look it up. And if you have a friction-style uh, limited slip differential, make sure you use the proper fluid for that so that you don't end up with a blown-up differential. Yep. Servicing your suspension, um, you know, greasing anything, any joint, ball joints, tie rod ends, U-joints, um, you know, that applies more, I'd say to, um, trucks or real drive vehicles. Um, modern car, modern front wheel drive vehicles don't really have greasable fittings on them. Um, they're designed to be replaced. You know, I'd say a hundred, 150,000 miles where trucks they're designed for heavier use. Um, so just grease them. It doesn't take much time. Just extends the life of them uh, of those components. Next one on our list is timing belt. So if your car has a timing belt, you need to replace it when the service manual says to. This is one of the only things that I go by the service manual on because they're actually kind of right here. Yeah, they, I mean, so for people who don't understand, a timing belt is made out of a rubber type polymer, rubber and a plastic like polymer. Yeah and plastic stretches over time the belt is it's a geared belt so as the belt stretches it could potentially jump a tooth which could can cause all sorts of issues on your engine hopefully you have a non-interference motor or it can just blow up or it can just blow up so and then you have pistons and valves and your yes, motors no and longer your motors cold. toast so the gist of it is if you have a timing belt um needs to be replaced and your service you know your owner's manual in the back of your owner's manual, it should have a service 
guide. Um, that's a that's an okay reference to figure out you know what to, maintenance you need to do and if you're not sure like well, when should I inspect the brakes that kind of outlines that but it should say in there if you do have a timing belt when it does need to be replaced. Usually it's around 150,000 mile mark. I do know that Subarus I think around 100,000 mile mark yep. which is complete garbage that you have to replace it that soon. Yep. But. Um, another thing is uh, to flush your coolant every about 100,000 miles. A lot of people don't think about this, but your coolant uh, can start corroding in there and degrading mm -hmm. and eat up your water pump and clog your radiator yep. and heater core and other stuff. Good practice to flush it. Yep. And now we're, you can flush this yourself, uh, but it takes a little bit of doing. You drain out all everything else, and then you basically take a garden hose and run it through everything until it all comes out clean and then refill it with the proper 50 50 mix so that way you get all the particulates and crap out of there i mean if you're really being lazy or don't have an opportunity you can just drain it and refill it but yeah. i like to flush it out with the garden hose yeah and you know with the coolant <clears throat> system um if your vehicle's over 10 years old you know one a sensor the engine coolant temperature sensor does a, sends a lot of information to the car computer and does um, and it's pretty important. And those are known to fail um, when, when they get to 10 plus years old. They're cheap. They're around $10. They're easy to fix. Um, so I recommend that. Um, fuel filters, uh, you know, every 75,000 miles, I'd say 75 to 100,000 miles, think about replacing the fuel filter. They're really easy to change on most cars. I, I'm going to disagree with that fact. Really? Yeah. Most fuel filters I've had have been a very bad time to replace they've all been rusted and the fittings are all those mm. stupid quick connects that, yeah and they all break the fittings or the last one i did broke the fuel line because it was so <laughs> rusty and terrible because no one changes these things yeah um if you get your fuel filter out a good measure to see how good the condition is blow through it blow through it if you can blow through it like just fine no problems it's probably okay to put back up in there if you really want to. Well, if yeah. you're this far and you want They're to spend 10 bucks, cheap. Yeah. Uh, slap a new one in there. For a diesel, I'd say every 10 to 15,000 miles you replace your fuel filter. And that's for a couple reasons. One, diesel fuel is way dirtier than gasoline, so they get clogged up. And two, on a diesel engine, you can see uh, fuel injection pressures of up to like 3,000 PSI. And those pumps that make, or not 3,000, 30,000 PSI. And those pumps that are making that 30,000 PSI cannot have any sort of speck of dirt go through them. Otherwise, they'll eat themselves up. So when you're making that kind of pressure, like, for instance, your standard gas car runs 60 PSI mm -hmm. pounds per square inch. So you're going to 30,000 PSI. So those kind of pumps just have way or just they need their own. They need to be super, super clean. Um, so 10 to 15,000 miles for a diesel fuel filter. Yeah. So, um, next emission system. So I threw on EGR, um, EGR valves, which if you have an older vehicle and it's got over 130,000 miles, it, you know, I've experienced at least and other vehicles might be different. It doesn't take much time to pull the EGR valve off and clean it. Um, if you have issues where the car idles high or it's getting poor gas mileage, um, or just running like crap, this can be something that, you know, resolves that, um, you know, cleaning out any of the components. If there's a lot of carbon buildup, it can just help make the engine just simply run better. It's easy enough to do. I just recently did it on my Saturn. Um, I didn't notice that it, 
um, it did help with idling, and there was a lot of carbon buildup. So. Yep. And then the last one we have is just wash your car, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> or Michigan. <laughs> or Michigan. It helps prevent rust. Yeah. It keeps it, your paint nicer it, longer. Yeah, it keeps and, the paint nice long. And, and it makes it way, way nicer to work on a clean engine made yeah, than a filthy piece of crap. People don't, you don't like driving around a car with big old rust spots on it. So no. wash it every week. Now on to step three. Step three, driving, driving habits. habits. The key thing with driving habits, and the thing that's going to really make the biggest difference here. Don't drive up like a bat out of hell every day. That's not what I was going to say <laughs> at all. I was going to go with warm-up time. Uh, this is one that's de- heavily debated on the internet. Uh, so if it's above freezing, I say generally 30 seconds to a minute of just letting your car sit there and idle before you leave. Yeah. Um, and if it's below freezing, I say one to two minutes. Um, and now the reason for warm-up time is... All the parts in your car are made of different materials. And materials... When materials heat up. They expand. They expand. And they all expand at, at different, different rates. rates. And they're all designed to be in... Run at an... At like 180 well, degrees. At an, they're, run, they're designed to be running at, an op, at, uh, at op, a certain temperature. Yep. So you're going to have... For peak performance. Either not enough clearance or way too much clearance at when your engine is cold on different components which can cause knocks, rattles, scarring, uh, cylinder bore marking, all of the above. So if you just let it warm up and get to like, you know, a little bit of heat in the motor before you start driving, then it should be okay. And now don't rag on it and don't beat on it until it's reached full operating temperature. Yeah. You're not going to get up off the couch after taking a nap and go run a 10 mile. No. 10 miles. Don't make your car do it. So don't make your car do it. I can't run 10 miles anyway. Okay, three miles. Way too fat for that. Um, another thing. Stop, sorry. Turn it off. Turn it off. Or better yet, if there's an option for it, don't buy it. Don't buy it. Uh, it's Garbage. Ba- it's basically, going back to the warm-up time, you're just turning your engine off all the time, which lets it's, all the oil drain back to the bottom of the pan. good for the motor, yeah. All your oil is back in the bottom of the pan, no longer in the top of the motor, so you have no lubrication, and your motor's got losing temperature and everything else. And so... Another thing, if you have the financial means, if you have a vehicle with cylinder deactivation, get rid of it. <laughs> get rid of it. Usually you can't turn this off. Usually you have to go to a performance shop yeah. and have it t- turned off manually. But it, cylinder deactivation is terrible for engine life. We Which can, is worse, cylinder deactivation or stop start for your engine? For depends. longevity. It depends. It depends. Um, it depends on if the cylinder deactivation is rapid spitfire or standard there's only i think there's only one vehicle which is rapid spitfire and that's the gm v8s at the moment i think there is more that do it than just the gm v8s but the rapid spitfire basically means that it moves the deactivated cylinder around all the time where um the standard cylinder deactivation just turns off like the front two cylinders or the back two and um which is both of them are terrible on your engine, but uh, rapid, rapid Spitfire makes it significantly better, but not great. Moving on from cylinder deactivation, we have avoid driving less than five miles if you can. Like, if your engine's not going to get warmed up, and then you're going to turn it back off, and then drive it home and get not warmed up again. Or if you're going to do a I real... I do that every day. <laughs> yeah, that's Isaac's day. Um, also, if you're going to like run in somewhere like quick... Just like, leave your engine on if leave you it can, on. If unless it's gonna be you're in, in a sketchy ghetto. neighborhood. Yeah. 
uh, if it's going to be like less than five minutes, just leave it running. It's way better for your engine. Yeah. So, and that little bit of fuel you burn, you're going to save on engine repairs. Yep. And also, contrary to what Isaac said before, don't always drive your car like a grandma. Well, uh, yeah, I, I'm not just not saying don't drive it hard. Just don't drive it hard all the time. So, every once in a while, you know, like once a week or so, you know, really pin it and get on it and let it run to wide it's, open. It's good for the motor. It really is. It gets rid of carbon defo- deposits inside the cylinders. It cleans out your engine every other play wait every other place than just the cylinders and it also helps your cats your catalytic converters get up to temperature and clean themselves out which helps gas mileage and engine longevity and but we should say you should do this after the engine is is, warmed up yeah so you know if in newer some newer cars don't have a coolant gauge um they may have a coolant light so once that goes off you're okay but when if you do have a coolant gauge when it reaches normal operating temperature operating temperature otherwise just wait 10 15 minutes of driving um I think that's all we got. You know, the big the big thing really is your maintenance and driving habits. Um, those two alone can really get get your car to the two hundred thousand mile mark pretty easily. You know, don't don't skip on repairs if you know your car if something's wrong that needs to be fixed. Take care of it. It's only just you're just doing further damage to the vehicle. I mean, it, you could equate it to the health of your body. If you're sick and you don't do anything about it, you could stay sick for a long time. So yep. So now Isaac has his random car fact. Random car fact. So the first generation Mazda Miata, or the NA, for the Miata fans out there, shares its interior door handle with what other vehicle? Did you know this? I did not know this, but I tend to avoid Mianas at all costs. So <laughs> so it shares its door handle with the um, Aston Martin DB7, which is quite fascinating because if you look up a picture of the Mazda Miata NA interior door handle. It's about two inches by one inch. It's this little tiny handle that you could literally, it was kind of designed to just be grabbed with one finger. And it looks like there's maybe $2 of plastic and material there. And for whatever reason, well, it's in the Aston Martin. Um, at the time, Ford owned stakes in Mazda and Aston Martin so I think that's probably why the handle they, is shared, but it's no, quite fascinating. No, the question was, was it in the Aston Martin first or the Mazda first? The Mazda first. All right. So the Mazda came out in, uh, was a Chicago show in 1989. But anyways. So um, for cool tools today, we have a quick one that I, kind of, I just recently bought and I actually really like. And that is the Harbor Freight or uh, Central Pneumatic as they call it. It's really, it's Harbor Freight. It's their uh, pneumatic grease gun. It's uh, it's about twenty bucks, but with their coupons, you can get it down to like fifteen. And gotta love those coupons. This makes greasing ten times better. Um, so normally the grease gun, you have to try to hold the grease gun, hold the nipple on the the fitting, the fitting, and, and then, then pump. somehow pump. Unless you have a pistol grip. Unless you have a pistol grip, which then they usually can't take a full size grease tube. No, you can. I replaced all of our grease guns at work with pistol grip ones. Oh, well, there you go. Or you can awesome. buy this. If you have an air compressor, like literally any air compressor will run this thing. You don't need a fancy air compressor. Like if it pumps air in your tires and it has the standard uh, air compressor nozzle end on it to clip on the quick connect, it'll run this. Um, so now it's got a, it's got a flexi tube on it. It takes full size and you just push it on the grease thing and pull the trigger until grease starts squirting out all over the sides of everything and it's all full 
It's freaking great. It's awesome. And, uh, or that uh, comes with a six inch flex hose and it comes with a, like a 45 degree angle steel, um, thing. So you don't, if you only have one hand free, you can just push it on with the steel insert and not the flexi hose. But this makes greasing in tight areas. And especially like I do a lot of different greasing with like lawnmowers and different stuff that take grease and, uh, any sort of maintenance stuff. This just makes greasing so much easier. And it's really easy to purge the system out if you want to change types of grease. You just pull the tube out, pull the trigger, and it purges itself out in maybe 10 seconds. And then you switch back over to whatever grease you want. So for about 15 bucks, you can have a really That's nice grease gun. So, huh. uh, yeah. Now. Craigslist showdown. showdown. So who won last time? Uh, I was in Texas and didn't post pictures. Oh, I'm Paul. sorry, people. I'll post them this week so you guys so can vote. Double, double the yes, double jeopardy. Yes. So sorry, I really didn't have access to my phone that much. No, down it's there, all so. good. I'll um, go first. All right, you go first. I I have an idea. So this week we we chose the city, the great city of Chicago, um, and I have an idea of what Paul's going to post. But I have an idea this, what I was going to post. I, don't, I don't think you are because this. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. It's so, not what I picked. Yeah, so mine is a 1993 uh, Chevy Camaro Indy Pace car, Z28. So I had a 98 Pontiac Firebird in an F-body, and this is one car that I have a love-hate relationship with. Love the car for its aesthetic looks. They're so ugly. Absolutely hated owning my car, and that's for a whole other reason. I, the reliability was not there. But this thing, it's black on white with Didn't white wheels. Did yours have a 3800 in it? It did, and the motor actually blew up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's we, great, it's but it great blows motor. up. It's a great motor. Mine blew up. <laughs> um, it blew up. That's a different story. But this thing, it's cool. It's totally 90s rad. Um, you know, if there's a Chicago Radwood, this thing should be there. I love the seats. The seats, they are black and white cloth, and they kind of... Fade from Fade. black to white. Yeah, they're really with like yellow and purple pinstripe. And teal. It's just it's got 1990s written all over it. it I mean, it's, it's got like, T tops. It's got Indianapolis 500 graphics on the sides. It says windbreaker pants all over it. <laughs> In your fanny pack. In your fanny pack. Yep, with uh, your Walkman. Uh-huh. Yep. So this it's got 55,000 miles on it. Um. Looks like it's in awesome condition. Said it's originally from North Carolina. Um, has been restored. Uh, no problems. Runs great. Uh, Thirteen thousand six hundred bucks. All right, that's a nice car. Let's see if you uh, guess mine. Oh, I didn't. This thing's cool. This thing is awesome. So mine is a nineteen nineteen eighty eight Mazda three two three GTX. Turbo, this thing is cool. Four wheel drive, so wow. basically picture it's, a Ford Escort but cooler and four wheel drive. It's like a rally car. This thing is freaking sweet. I really wow, wish I owned it's this. Red, it's bright red with black it's wheels. Sharp. It's got one hundred and forty eight and a half thousand miles on it. It's a manual, four wheel drive though. This thing is just killer. And hey, Mazda's putting. All wheel drive back in the three. That's why I picked it this week. That is, oh, because it's the three, two, three. Yeah. Four wheel um, yeah. drive. I had to pick it. Yep. Man, pretty cool. I, I dig this one. So you got two awesome picks this week. Plus two picks from last, last two week. weeks ago. So 
Vote, vote it up. Mines are better. Mine are better. Mine are better. In closing. In closing. Uh, check us out on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook. In. Uh, the links are in the description. Yeah, links are in the description. It's way easier than I was trying to say it. Um, we <laughs> send us your questions. We we need more questions. We need more questions from you people. We've we got, have so much information to give you. You just have to ask for it. Yeah, we want we we honestly want to know um, what you're interested in listening in, um, listening to. So um, give us a shout out. Um, like subscribe. Yeah, like subscribe. Leave a review. Leave a review, please. Um, with Tell that. your friends about us, even yeah. if you don't like us, because they might. They might. So I think that's all I got. Keep shifting the gears. Keep shifting the gears.